0: hey so uh we're in this third week thanks zach we're in this third week of our study in nehemiah and nehemiah is just like uh he is wearing folks out nehemiah started back in chapters one and two he starts by hearing this uh unbelievable call that there's there's an injustice the walls of jerusalem have been torn down the gates have been burned and Nehemiah starts with a calling where God says, here's an injustice, and Nehemiah, you're my guy. I'm calling to fix that injustice. And then he moves from having a broken-hearted call to be a part of something, and it, it changes radically. He goes from, I'm called to do it, where most of us say, I got to go do something. Nehemiah then says, wait a minute, I've called to pray. And he starts his prayer with an unusual prayer. He says... God, I am so sorry. Now, we chatted about this over the last couple of weeks, and one of the things that happened is that God brings help in chapter three, but I believe he brings help because Nehemiah started his prayer well. See, here's what happens. Nehemiah sees this great need, and he feels called with a broken heart to go do something about it. And then it moves over to where he starts praying. Before he starts planning, he starts praying. And in his prayer, he starts off, and this is significant in chapter 8, he starts off by saying, God, I'm so sorry. Now, this is a powerful piece of word we get from, from Nehemiah. Nehemiah didn't say, would you make me a great builder? He didn't say, would you make me a great preacher? What he said was, God, I'm so sorry, I haven't followed your laws. And so when God says, I hear your prayer, he turns to bless him, and he goes from a broken heart that is a calling, and he moves now into, Lord, I know I need help and I'm going to start with you. You're not my last resort, you're my very first hope. And so he prays for this with a broken heart, I'm sorry. Then he moves over here and God just wells up inside of him this extraordinary plan. And then he moves from a plan into action and and all of a sudden the Lord starts bringing him people that help to rebuild this wall. By the time we make it to chapter 8, where we are today, the wall is done, but the gates aren't up yet. So, Sanballat shows himself again in chapter 8. So, when you look back at that stretch, you say, well, wait a minute, what did we miss between chapter 4 and chapter 8? Well, you missed chapter 6 that I read on that stand, where I'm not going to come down. This is what I'm called to do. So, think about this as the timeline moves ever forward. Here's Nehemiah. God, my heart is broken. My brothers have said the wall is destroyed. God, I'm so sorry. Would you help me do something about this? God, would you give me a plan so that it's not on me, but it is you? God, would you bring people around me that could help accomplish this task for you? I know I'm receiving critics both from the inside and the outside, Because, God, I'm attempting to do something in your name that would bring you glory, which means people in the church and people outside the church are going to bring great criticism and they're going to go to war with me. Now, the folks in the church, they're going to go to war with me with religion. But the folks outside the church, they're going to go to war with me with spears and arrows. Are you with me? And so in the middle of this, we get to chapter 8, And in chapter 8, this is the overwhelming message. Ezra stands on top of the podium. And the people from all around, the scriptures say that after all those years in captivity in Babylon, they've now come home to Jerusalem. And as they come home to Jerusalem, some of them help rebuild the wall. But all of them now have come to resettle in the land of Judah. And as they resettle, they, they, they resettle in their homes and they resettle in their temporary homes because what they're doing in chapter eight is they're now walking into the city of God. They're walking into Jerusalem. There's no gate to pass, so they come through. And now they've gathered in Jerusalem, and you say, well, I don't understand. Why would they come back to Jerusalem? For the same reason that you showed up here this morning. They came back to Jerusalem to praise God for bringing them out of the captivity of the Babylonians and come and to worship him so when ezra stands up and he starts reading what we know to be the book of mosaic law which is truly this ready genesis exodus leviticus numbers deuteronomy are you with me just nod you with me okay so ezra stands up and he starts reading the mosaic law and as he reads the mosaic law everybody in town is like wow i'm not doing so hot on following god's rules I'm not doing so well on acting godly. I'm not doing very well on doing righteous things. I'm not doing so well, I haven't even looked at the book of the law or listened to the book of the law for a long time. Now, let me just ask you, doesn't that fit the pattern of most of our lives? I mean, I I know in my own life, I mean, I'm a pastor, I'm supposed to do this for a living, and I still find myself in that pattern so often about saying, you know, Lord, the church is doing great. Church is doing so many good things. How great is that? And the Lord sometimes has to reach down and twist my ear and say, Chuck, the only good thing you offer the world is the presence and the power of Jesus, period. Nothing else matters. And so in chapter 8, this amazing thing starts happening. This is why we say the Bible is a big deal at Sugar Hill Church. You see, I truly believe this is the inspired word of God. I believe it is inerrant, and I believe every single word is here for a rhyme and a reason, and God can use it in your life as well. And so when I look at this, I think, what am I doing, and what am I going to take from chapter 8? Well, I want to give you a couple takeaways. Well, early on, as Zach read, Ezra brings together men, women, and children and then he gives this little, this little phrase there and he says that can understand it so he's reading the five books of mosaic law and he's speaking to a people that he says they're here if they can understand it i i bet if you've been in church for any time you've heard some phrase like this the age of accountability like when does a kid when does he stop being guaranteed for heaven because he understands it. Are you ready? This is the simplest thing in the world. There are people who say second grade, first grade, none of that matters. No age matters here. Here's what matters. Being able to understand for a child, for a man, for a woman, for a student is this simple. When I know and I understand, sound familiar? That Jesus had to die and be buried and raised from the dead for my sin. Not for all those sins, but for my sin. I remember as a nine-year-old boy at a Bill Glass crusade thinking it's my sin. Jesus died for me. It was my selfishness. His blood still covers me. And as I have matured in this this process in my life, I begin to understand that the power is not in Ezra. The power is not the tool or the stand that he stands on. The power is found in the word of God, God's scriptures, holy scriptures, who the scripture itself says is a two-edged sword that can cut marrow deep and change the nature of our life. And so he includes all of these people And he says it has for one purpose, that you can understand God's word. Now, you might be here today and say, Chuck, I have tried to read the Bible a hundred times, and every time I read it, I just don't get it. Well, I want to give you a great word. Start over again, and before you start reading, have this time of meditation. Will you do it with me? Just put your hands in your lap. If you're holding your Bible, whatever, just it down. Would you close your eyes with me? Just breathe a couple times. Let that breath feel like it's a a door that you're opening from where you've been to where you're going. And you open the door and you're you're on those shiny hardwood floors and toward the end of the room, there's this big leather chair. And as you get closer, you see, wait a minute, that's, that's God, that's my heavenly father. That is the creator of the universe. And you get excited because he's motioning for you to come to him and you take a flying leap into his lap and he wraps his arm around you and he says, talk to me. And your prayer then becomes, God, would you give me understanding and wisdom of what this means in my life? And then offer this prayer, God, I'm so grateful you heard me and you will answer me through this day. Amen. Now listen, friend, you say, but Chuck, I don't have time to do this. You don't have time not to do this. But Chuck, this is, you don't understand, when I get up in the morning, I got to go. Okay, I do too. All I'd say to you is, what we practice in our life is inevitably what we truly believe. I mean, it's really that simple. You say, but Chuck, there's no possible way I have time for that. Okay, well, watch this. I wanna make this so ridiculously easy for you this week. In the app starting tomorrow morning, just open it up and you'll see a thing that says Daily Aha. Click on it and you'll be able to hear the scripture each day, read the scripture, and you'll even see a short commentary. So if you say, well, I'm too busy, then get in the car and listen to it on your ear pods or in your car. Well, Chuck, I don't have Bluetooth. Okay, stop whining. Everybody got some kind of, if you bought a phone, you got stuff that goes in your ears, right? Well, you know, Chuck, I just don't understand it. Stop being lazy. Just, you got four and a half minutes. Well, Chuck, I'd have to get five minutes early. Wham, suck it up. But I want you to notice that there is a process here that Ezra shows us. He shows us how we are to accurately handle this word of God. Now, you may say, but it's a Chuck. Chuck, it's, it's a book. No, it's not a book. It is the living breathing word of god i could read the story of daniel and the lion's den another hundred times and learn something new every every time well chuck how could that be because god uses that word and he pierces into our heart and our soul and he fills those crannies up we're not like english muffin we're like sourdough you know english muffin has nooks and crannies we're sourdough We we might be an English muffin today, but we're going to ask the Lord in the Scripture tomorrow would he fill the nooks and crannies and become sourdough filled with his grace and his mercy and his word. And so when we do that, we learn how to accurately handle the Bible. To do so means you got to read and understand the Scripture. Now, let me just stop and say to you, it's not that hard, y'all. People ask me, well, I want to start reading the Bible. Where should I start? I say the same thing every time, and it'll be that way on the AHA tomorrow. Start with the Gospel of John. At the end of every chapter, ask yourself this question. What did John claim that Jesus was, and Jesus claimed what he was? Secondly, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to start in the book of John, and I'm going to work my way through there. I'm going to read half a chapter. I'm going to take whatever I can do in five minutes. And then when you get done with that, go to the book of James, And study and understand how does it look when my faith and what I do with faith and the good works I do, how do they become a hand-in-glove experience? That isn't hard. If you read it and you say, well, Chuck, I can't afford a Bible like you have. Okay, you can download a free app, a Bible app that's free. So don't be throwing money out there as a problem. It's free. I mean, free. And pick, if you want to, the New Living Translation that I'm working out of today. It's super easy. And you say, but Chuck, I don't have time to download an app. What? You are the same people that played Angry Birds a year and a half ago. When we righteously handle the Word of God, first and foremost, we will know that it is the center purpose of our worship. Because to teach the Word is to teach that we need to know God. To need that we know God means that we want to want to know God. And when we want to want to know God, this wisdom and this understanding come as a package deal for us. Nehemiah got it. My heart is broken for an injustice. Lord, what should I do? I'm so sorry. Lord, would you give me a plan? Yes. Lord, would you bring me people to help as we activate it? Yes. Lord, would you get rid of the distractions of my enemies? Yes. This is what happens when we let the word of God saturate us to the degree that now it's going from something that we say, wow, somebody ought to do something about that, to God, am I who you want to do something about that? And if so, then we have to take this seriously. Accurately handling the Bible involves having and showing respect for it. This is not a novel. This is not to be thrown in the glove box of your your truck and you bring it back out next week for Sunday. Because, you know, if you don't, you're going to forget it. This is what we're to be in, live in, and set our direction in life in. If I could do one thing to make your life an extraordinarily greater spiritual experience, here's what I would say. Wake up every day and write down two or three things you are grateful for immediately. Well, Chuck, do I have to write them down? Yes, write them down. Secondly, get the word of God into you. The daily aha for the next six days to get you to next Sunday, you get it every day. You listen to it, you can read it, you can see a brief commentary about it. There's no excuse. Get the Word in you every day, and I will promise you that God will start opening your eyes, and not only will you understand, but you will act on it. And this is what it's like to grow in Christ. And so you say, well, what else does it do? Accurately handling the Word of God results in obeying what it says. Now, listen, I am not the best at following God's will. I, I can get way off the reservation on this because frankly I like to do things my way don't you I mean I don't know anybody that doesn't like to have things their way but all the time that we spend to try to think things my way or our way we're on an exit ramp away from God's will selfishness and the will of God never go hand-in-glove they never follow the same path and so our actions and our reactions must always follow the will of god if we want and expect the blessing of god and you see nehemiah heard answered prayed acted ezra came to the people when they come together to worship and he opened up the scriptures and when he read the scriptures everybody was weeping and they were sorry what were they sorry for they had not handled the scriptures and the law of god in their own life and they were sorrowful and repentant and they said this is why we do so i want to stop and i want to ask you three quick questions if you've got pen pencil lipstick or mascara i want you to write these down okay here we go number one how are you doing in your bible reading you alone i was so thrilled i i was on the phone uh, my my sister's here today stand up sherry wave everybody come on this is my sister sharon she's about five foot so you may not see her but that's my sister over there and um she, I know, yeah. She has put up with me for all these years. And uh, I, I was so blessed when I, when I chatted with her the other morning when uh, I had found out that our sister had passed away. Uh, she said, you know what I was doing right now? I said, what's that? She said, I, I, was, I was reading my scripture plan. And I thought to me, that's weird. I was doing the same thing. You know what? When tragedy strikes your home, but you know the proof of the word of God, you do not have to lose it. You can trust it. My sister, Terry drew her last breath on earth this past Wednesday and put her feet on streets of gold instantaneously. I had somebody ask me this week, well, Chuck, if you're the guy that people call when tragedy happens, who do you call? And the answer was, I don't really have to call anybody, not because I feel like I'm Superman. I don't have to call them because all those funerals and all those memorial services I've done for your families, I believe every word I said then, so I have to believe every word I say now. My sister's in heaven. My sister is having the greatest Sunday of her life. My sister is with mom and dad right now. My sister is healthy and skinny. My sister's hair is full. My sister this morning had Krispy Kremes. Bless the Lord. I cannot believe I dole out all kind of knowledge scripturally, and y'all clap on Krispy Kreme. <laughs> There's the state of our church right there, man. How are you doing your Bible reading? And you say, Chuck, I'm kind of a once-a-weeker. Well, typically, if you said that, you're lying. So let's just count you out. Well, Chuck, I'm about twice-a-weeker. Doubt it. Chuck, I, I am a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. <laughs> You're just answering the preacher, trying to get out the door. What I'd encourage you is don't make this harder than what it is, all right? Write down three things I'm grateful for. Get on that daily aha, and in about five minutes, you'll let the Scripture start entering your life. You'll say, well, Chuck, don't you think God wants me to give my first hour? Well, yeah, of course. But if you started that way, you're not going to stick with it because the next morning, you're going to wake up at 8, and you have to be at the office at 8.30, and, and you have no idea what you're going to wear, and your kid threw up, and your dog pooped in a crate. And are you with me? Isn't that the way it works? Seriously, isn't that not the way it works? So what I would say to you is, we prioritize what matters most to us. If I could write a prescription for success in your life spiritually, I would say make sure you do this. Secondly, how are you doing in your own spiritual growth? Have you signed up for a group here where as a grown-up or as a student, You can be in a weekly group that is teaching the Word of God, and you can be with normal people. One of the things I cannot encourage you enough to be is this. Love God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, but don't be a weirdo. I mean, you you all know who I'm talking about, don't you? I mean, you don't have to be weird to love the Lord your God. I mean, you, you can go be your, do your thing. God made no mistake when he made the wonderful you, but he does want you to love him with all his heart, your heart, your mind, and your soul. And when you do that, you'll find it so easy to love people around you that are your neighbor because now you're going to know how to love yourself through the lens of Christ. How are you doing? Get in a group. You'll say, "But Chuck, I don't need a group. I worship in the outdoors, baby. (laughs) No, you don't. You just play golf. You ain't worshiping. Well, I worship in my boat. No, you don't. You're trying to figure out what lure is going to work today. But Chuck, you don't know me. I know, but it's so much fun to call it out. How is the reading and learning of scripture changing the way you act, react, and live? And if it's not, I wanna say to you, wait a minute, something might be wrong. It is possible that maybe you had given your heart to Christ somewhere in life, but nothing changed in your life. I wanna give you this perspective because I wanna make sure when you leave today, you understand what the joy of the Lord is. It starts with recognizing scripture with reverence and awe. When the Bible says, fear the Lord, he's not saying, "Eh." he's he's saying, recognize the awe and wonder of God. Friend, listen, you are not a human asking for a spiritual experience. You are a spiritual body that's looking for a human experience. And what I'd say to you is trust the spirit of God to do in you what only he can do. You say, well, Chuck, what, what does that really mean? Okay, does your faith and does the joy of the Lord Do they resonate so strongly in your life that what you choose to do or not do is totally impacted by the word of god and if not stick in here with me we're almost done all right but look right here i promise you look right here if you claim to be a follower of jesus if you claim to be a christian and you know that inside the gift he gave you was the holy spirit but you cannot and you will not put Jesus in the right priority of your life and put the word of God in the right priority of your life. I want to ask you, do you know for sure that you are a Christian? Because I don't believe you can go forever without the word of God. I don't think you can go forever without his church, which is his bride. I don't think you can do that all the time unless you have totally squashed the spirit of God or he's never been given to you as a gift because you never settled where you are with Jesus. Well, Chuck, I didn't come here to get fussed out. I promise you, I'm not fussing y'all. But here's what I know that I know that I know. Wednesday morning, my sister went to heaven. I know that. My first statement to Jenny was, I am so happy for my sister. Listen, she hit heaven, and by dinner time, she sat on the back porch with my mom and dad fully healthy. You know what? There's going to come a day when I'm dead as a doorknob. And you're going to think, what was that fat guy's name again? But you know where I'm going to go just like that? My feet are going to hit streets of gold. I believe that. I believe this word. I believe God's promise. And I promise you I'm going there. The question is, are you going to meet me there or not? So I look at this, and I I started writing this down even this morning. You know, it's it's pretty sad. A lot of folks disassociate joy from the church. I, I mean, I there there's a lot of frozen church members out there. I mean, there's there are a lot of folks out there that have trusted a denomination, or they've trusted a preacher, or they've trusted some other book than this, and they found that it was all shallow. And worthless and they say well I I want nothing to do with that church they're full of hypocrites well yeah of course we are I am too come on and join us Have you ever seen a church say this is the church of the hypocrites I've never seen that name I've seen some weird names but you know we are aren't we but how much less would that be if we truly took this into our life what happens when you're totally overwhelmed with life Well, the joy of the lord can be your strength but chuck what's the joy of the lord the gospel the gospel is the joy of the lord well wait a minute chuck you mean to tell me that the gift that god gives me from this book is his joy and i can count on his joy becoming my joy yeah that's exactly what it is And you say but chuck i don't feel very happy i'm not talking about your happiness i'm talking about your joy well is it different well, in my life, it's not, it's not terribly different. Because I believe when God decides to fill me with joy, it is first because I have asked him to do this. And when I become sourdough instead of an English muffin, it's because he's filled the nooks and crannies with the promises of his word. When you're overwhelmed, the joy of the Lord is your strength. When your spouse says, I don't love you anymore, the joy of the Lord is your strength. When your kid in a fit says to you, I hate you, the joy of the Lord is your strength. When you go to the doctor and he doesn't give you a really bright diagnosis, the joy of the Lord is your strength. When you feel like you're all alone and nobody cares, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And when you're broken and hurting, the joy of the Lord is your strength. My friend, listen to me. folks. There's a massive concept that God puts into a teeny tiny understanding. Here's what the Lord says. If you call on me, I'll hear you, I'll save you. He doesn't put you through, if you go to a certain kind of church, if you go through a certain kind of baptism, he just says, if you call on my name, I'll do this. And this is the joy of the Lord. A massive concept put in this tiny little thing. Listen to these words, you are not counting on personal happiness you're counting on the Savior of the world you don't have to bank your happiness for heaven all you have to do is count the promise of Jesus you are counting on his joy you see he is ever with you his promise has never been and never will be taken away from you the presence of joy in the Lord counts for eternity Terry went to heaven because of the joy of the Lord. Terry went to heaven because of the promise of God. Terry went to heaven because she knew this Bible, as Ezra said it, came all together and said, This message is for you that you might have the joy of the Lord. Nehemiah treated this and Ezra treated this book as if it were gold because it is far greater than. But I want to encourage you to do that this week. Let it become a priority in your life. You say, Chuck, I just need a quick takeaway, and then we'll wrap up. Chapter 6, don't get weary in doing good. Stay the course. Let's let's feed every kid that needs food. Let's get a roof for every family that needs a house. Let's make sure every kid in that trailer park graduates from high school and goes to college. Let's make sure that over at at North Gwinnett Co-op, they never run out of food on their shelves. Let's make sure when we're in a Luther, we preach Jesus. When we're in Africa, we preach Jesus. Let's make sure we're in Haiti and Cuba, let's preach Jesus. And when our kids go to school, let them preach Jesus. And when you go to work, let us preach Jesus. But friend, listen, never grow weary in doing good, never. God has called you to this, let's never stop. Secondly, everyone was called to be a part of the word of God. And did you notice this slight understanding of this one thing, are you ready? He didn't separate families. Moms and dads and kids all came together and they heard the word of God. Two quick applications, ready number one? How are you doing in opening this book with your family and your kids? Well, Chuck, I'm scared to death. My kids are gonna find out that I'm a heathen and I've never read it before. Okay, look right here. They already know that. Just surrender that flag, go with it. Start fresh and new. All you gotta do is say like, tomorrow tomorrow evening. It's this simple. Hey kids, I want us to I want us to read the Bible together before we all go to bed. And then right after they have a heart attack, then they you know, they, they, they get back, then they're gonna hear you read like Three or four minutes. And you can even just read that one passage in chapter 8. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's, let's pray that tomorrow we'll have the joy of the Lord. And you say, well, Chuck, I don't like to pray in front of people. <laughs> Come on, y'all. We're talking about your family here. I mean, you talk about all kind of weird junk as a family. I mean, I've seen y'all. Why not just say, God, would you give us great wisdom tomorrow? It's going to be a really tough day. And God, would you just give me great wisdom? We need the joy of the Lord. Amen. Well, Chuck, don't, don't I need to use the God voice? No, please don't. Oh, Father, stop it. Stop it. He is your creator God. He is your heavenly daddy. Love him. Love him so much that you just crawl up in a chair and love him. When you decide that you're a Jesus is enough kind of person, we'll have a church filled with folks that believe Jesus is enough. But that's up to you. But I want to spoon feed it to you. Don't separate your family from the Word of God. And although we got great kids' programs and student programs and groups, listen, don't count on a teacher to do this. Pull your family together. Let the Word of God become so easy. And, and if, you want, if you want to say, hey, shoot me a, a note, Chuck, I don't really know how to start doing it. Just send it to me. All of our emails is name at sugarhillchurch.com. Right? So if you did my, what would it be? Chuck at? So I'm going to get a note from three people. That's awesome. Okay, so listen, here's what I want for you. I want you to leave here with the joy of the Lord. I finished up 930, and uh, I, I said, y'all, I, I want to make sure that every person here heard that unless, unless you've totally squelched the Spirit of God, I bet there are many of us in here who have thought we were Christians forever, but the presence of the Spirit of God has not been working in our lives for so long. It may be that you never really did settle that. So I asked the folks at 9.30, I said, today, if you want to say, I want the joy of the Lord, I want to ask Jesus to come into my life, I, I want to settle this today, I want to know I'm going to heaven just as surely, Chuck, as your sister went, then it's really this simple. Call on the name of the Lord. Don't bow your heads. Don't get ready to pray. Just look right here. uh, I've done this. This will be my third time here. And at 9.30, I was so shocked. 9.30 is all of the churchy people and then the rescue heathens come at 11. and uh, Which I love y'all better anyway. But you're my favorite service. It wasn't that funny, bro. Uh, I said, would you like to know that you can leave here with the joy of the Lord? And you tell, people are looking at me just like you are, like, row, row. and I said, then make this your claim. Jesus, I want in on that. I, man, I, I want the joy of the Lord. I, all I know is that the, the Bible, Chuck says, is that you call on the name of the Lord, that's all you got to do. You said, well, I don't know how to call on the name of the Lord. Are you ready? I want the joy of the Lord. Jesus, would, would you give that to me? Well, Chuck, in there, there's got to be a prayer you're supposed to pray. Nope. You can look in Scripture all you want. You ain't going to find it. But i tell you what you will find. Jesus says, when you call on me, I'll hear you and I'll answer you. And I don't wanna make it easy for you. I want the real deal. So right now, if you say, Chuck, I want the joy of the Lord. I wanna settle in my heart that Jesus is my Lord. I wanna be done with it forever. I'm gonna ask you right now to stand up. All it takes is one person. I promise, if one person stands up, it'll be 10. Look at there, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of y'all. I'm so proud of you. Stay standing, y'all, stay standing. Stay up, yeah, if you're still up, stand up. Amen, 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 amen. That's, y'all stand up, just stay up. You want to tell you how courageous that is? You know, you know what I did for years for y'all? I would say stuff like this. We're all going to bow our heads. We're going to close our eyes. It, these church people, they sneak and peek everywhere. You got to keep your eye on them. They're always doing this during the prayer. But I want to tell you, this is what it means to claim the joy of the lord so in a minute we're going to have our offering time and i'm going to ask you if you've stood right now to take one more step of courage and would you be willing to just step over here in 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 that corner and i'm going to have somebody meet you there and they're going to share with you this is what it's like to walk with jesus they'll keep you three minutes and what they'll probably do is just get some contact info so we can just send you something so you can kind of take your next step uh, Trip, come on up here, and you'll see. Just come to Pastor Tripp. he'll be in the corner here. So uh, I want to say to all of you, thank you for your courage. I promise you, God honors that. I promise you, God honors that. So, uh, y'all come on and take up an offering, and to keep it being less embarrassing for these folks standing up, they're they're going to move when you do. Just come here. If you stood up, Just right over here. Pastor Trip, wave your arms. Come over here and see Trip. You're just going over there. Yeah, be courageous, y'all. Just going over there. Yeah. We're going to take up an offering. So we'll have people walking around. Nobody will know whether you're picking up an offering or going to see Trip. Yeah. Hey, if you've been wondering, Chuck, how are we doing financially? Man, y'all killed it last week. Thank you. But I know next week y'all are all going to get out of here and do whatever that holiday is. Because you're going to the Gulf and you're going to Hilton Head and you're going to Amelia Island. And so what I'd say today is don't miss next week's. Just go ahead and do it today. In the past two weeks, 57 high schoolers and middle schoolers showed up on Wednesday night for our student ministry for the very first time they've ever been on this campus. Come on. That is get fired up. Let me give you something better. 17 of them have said, I want Jesus in my life. Let's not grow weary in doing good work. Father, thank you. For folks who said, I want Jesus today. Thank you for these students who said, I want Jesus. Thank you that this offering is going to love on this county and to love on folks with our team in Eleuthera today and the team that'll leave and will head to Africa in a few weeks. And for the churches we're planting in Haiti, for the church we sister partner with in Los Angeles and God for the church we're about to plant in Spain God, multiply these offerings in the basket in the bank for your glory and your kingdom. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Y'all pass those baskets. If you're here today and you say, Chuck, I didn't have a check. I, how do I, credit card, you know, whatever. Uh, you can download the app. You can hit that up. If you're one of those people who likes to claim miles when you tithe, that's a little weird, but okay. You know, go ahead. Uh, if you've got that $100 bill hidden from your spouse behind your driver's license, go ahead and pull that out. Because I am not embarrassed to tell you, man, the Lord's using you folks to do a great work. Let's don't get tired in doing that. Man Church last week, guys, thanks for showing up in in numbers. We'll have another video this week to add one more thing to your daily routine. Guys, don't forget the daily aha. All you gotta do is open the Sugar Hill Church app. If you don't already have it, go to the app store, just do search Sugar Hill Church. It'll pop up, download it, won't take long. And immediately tomorrow morning, you'll get fed the daily aha the weekday podcast, and you can just have all kind of time to spend in the Word. This pastor loves you, and I am so grateful for you. So as you leave today, let this Jesus we spoke of go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. That's what he does. Let that Jesus go within you to bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment, because he is always good and you are always loved. And let that Jesus come behind you as he did in my life this week and pick you up Not to walk you around the problem, but to be able to walk you through the middle of it. Only so he can set you down on your two feet victoriously and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap his loving arms around you. And you get to look into your Savior's eyes and hear him say, say it with me, my child, I love you. God bless you. Go in peace.